Thanks for listening to the Crosspoint Podcast. This is the Young Adults Ministry of the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Here we desire to see this generation of young adults reached and revived with the gospel of Christ. We believe our generation has the opportunity to change the world as we know it. We'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. at Franklin Road Baptist Church. Our prayer is that our podcast will help you grow in your relationship with God. Enjoy the Crosspoint Podcast. Chapter number four is where we're going to be today. And uh, lesson number five of our One Another series. And uh, we have been talking really through the different one another uh, phrases of Scripture. Uh, as we read through this one, you'll actually see that this one has two. We've already referenced uh, the first one that will be mentioned. And so we'll reference the second one in verse number 32, talking today about be kind one to another. Be kind one to another. It's not a children's lesson, uh, but it does. It may feel a little bit like that, but what I have experienced uh, over the last couple of months is this, is that we all need a reminder of what someone is going through and what someone may be experiencing. And so Ephesians chapter number four, let's begin reading in verse number 17. The Bible says this, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the, their understand, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have not been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. That's an important phrase right there. Those really two verses. He says, but ye have not so learned Christ. He says, if you have not begun to understand who Jesus is and what he, what he stands for and what, the way that he wants you to live, he says, you have not learned Christ. And so he continues in verse number 22, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the things which is good, that he may have to give it to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil be speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Would you read verse number 32 out loud together with me? Some of you may be able to quote it by memory. Verse number 32, ready, begin. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Powerful verse there. Sometimes verses that are overly familiar uh, become easy for us to kind of skip over. And so today we're going to take a couple minutes, look at the context of verse number 32. I believe that will give us a little bit more, uh, shows us a little bit more power of the verse 
But let's pray. We'll ask the Lord to help us as we talk about lesson number five. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the day that you've given us. Lord, I know that there are many distractions uh, from church today, and so I thank you so much for those who have chosen to uh, just commit this time. Lord, I pray that they would be uh, fed today. Lord, I pray that they would uh, get something out of your word that they can take and that they can use and apply to their lives. Lord, we thank you so much for our church, Lord, for a church family, and may we begin to treat others as you have treated us. Lord, really in this world, and this has always been true, but here lately it has proven to be even more true. Lord, we don't know what each other are going through. We don't know what each other are experiencing. We don't know what someone that we pass or someone that maybe we give our order to is going through. And so, Lord, may we treat them as you would have them to be treated. Lord, I ask you to fill me with your spirit. Lord, I pray that you would uh, just give me strength as I walk through this passage. In your name we pray. Amen. When we first moved to Tennessee, I moved here as a second grader, and um, we, I had come from a Christian school in West Virginia, and so when we moved here, I actually went to, uh, started in school in a little building that is no longer here that used to set out here, and so we were in uh, second grade. I came halfway through my second grade year, and uh, when we got here, I remember one of the first things that kind of stood out to me was that we were in a building over here, and the playground actually uh, is where the one of our playgrounds still sits. It's been remodeled since then, okay? Uh, but we would walk over here, and there was like this little weird island thing. Anybody remember that? Where like like where it had like a little park bench in it, and it had like these cool trees and like stuff. I never saw anybody sit on the bench, okay? I never saw anybody. But that was the stopping point for when we would cross the parking lot. We would stop at that little island, and before they let us run through the parking lot to the playground, they would have us quote Ephesians 4.32. And so I remember that, like, as a, like, when, when I lived in West Virginia, I mean, our doors opened right out onto the playground. And so it was like when recess happened, the teacher said, everybody line up at the door. And then she would say, you may go. And you just stepped outside. We're on the playground. Well, here it was like, man, we got to quote the Bible before we're allowed to play. Like, what kind of place is this? And so uh, anyways, we would get there and we would stop at that little island. And I remember like the first time, like my first week here, I was like, man, their playground is way bigger. Like they have, they let you play football during recess. Like there was all this cool stuff that you got to do. Like being the new kids, like I was ready to take it all in. I remember the teacher was like, now before we go, what do we say? And all these kids started in on, be ye kind, one to another. And I'm like looking around like, are you kidding me? Like I remember having this thought, like why can't we just go to recess? Why, like why are we... But the truth is, is for those of you who are teachers, you're like, we're definitely using that, all right? We are going to make them quote that before they go to recess. But the truth is, is that it was a reminder of the way that you should interact with each other. Children, we often think, need those reminders. I have the opportunity right now, I'm teaching two kids' classes. My wife is actually subbing in a kids' class uh, this morning. And uh, it's funny how we see and we look around and we think, oh my goodness, all right, so this is a great opportunity for us to talk about Ephesians 4.32. But unfortunately, there are also many adults who need that reminder. I don't know that we need the reminder, and I want you to listen to this, because we are being unkind, Okay. I don't look across the room and look in the faces of people that I think you just go through your week and you act like jerks to everybody, okay? I don't think that it is because we are being unkind. I think that it is for most of us because we are not intentionally kind, okay? It's not that we are unkind. It's not that you go through life and you are just excited and looking forward to the next person that you get to chew out. 
Okay? At least if you have that problem, then there's deeper Bible issues that you're struggling with, okay? But for most of us, the problem that we face is not that we are unkind. It is that we are never intentionally kind, meaning this. That if it is true that we do not know what someone else is experiencing or what someone else is going through, that most of the time just simply being unkind is going to put them over the edge. But intentionally being kind is going to show something else. It's going to show Jesus Christ. My wife and I, sometimes we talk, and um, I'm a pretty, not I'm pretty, I, I am type A, like uh, I, I, I have a pretty perfectionist personality, and so there are times where something goes wrong, or there's an order that goes wrong, or whatever, okay? My flesh and my natural reaction is to go and correct it, okay? And it is normally not to correct it with kindness, okay? Um, but the truth is, is that one of the things that I talk with her about all the time is I have this, I guess, inner voice that sometimes as I'm frustrated, it's almost like the Lord or the Holy Spirit's like, this person, you don't know what they're going through. And today, you have an opportunity to be the kindest person to them. One of the things, one of the goals that I've just determined through probably a couple of mishaps and through things where I haven't always done this, one of the things that I always try to do is whenever I'm interacting with someone, especially someone that I do not know, I want them to know that I want to be the kindest person that they see that day. I want them to know that like them putting pickles on a sandwich that I did not want pickles on is not a deal breaker for my joy. And sometimes as Christians, here's what we're guilty of doing. It's not that we go up and maybe just curse someone out or we're intentionally unkind, but we are never intentionally kind to those that we interact with. We never show them the love of Christ by actually being kind. And in this passage, what you'll find is this, is that Paul writes a very simple principle like kindness. He talks about lying. He talks about anger. He talks about uh, working with your hands and giving back to those around you. He talks about very simple practices for the Christian. But he sets it in this context, and this is why I want to, wanted to read back to the verses that we read to. He sets it in the context of that you are no longer like those who are lost. Verses 17 through really 24 set the stage for verse number 32. Verse number 32 is not important because it teaches you kindness. Verse number 32 is important because it shows how kindness is actually a difference maker. And so I want us to walk through three thoughts from this passage that show us how to be kind one to another. The first one is this, is the importance of your kindness. I want you to notice the importance of your kindness. This is found in verses 17 through 24. I want you to look at some of the phrases that he uses. He says, this I say, therefore, in verse number 17, he says, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. He says, if you're not going to be like other Gentiles, you're going to have to show some of these practices. Look at verse number 18. He says, having their understanding darkened and being alienated from the life of God through ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Here's the question. You can go through really the next couple of verses and you can pick out some of the phrases there as well. He says, for you have not so learned Christ. I wonder if our kindness is evidence of our walk with God. 
How does your kindness show others your walk with God? You know what's interesting? Is that we talk a lot in Christianity about how that we are supposed to become more Christ-like and that the goal of the Word of God is that it would develop us, that it would mold us into the image of God. And yet sometimes the very the softballs of Christianity are the ones that we swing and miss at. Kindness, lying, gossip, clamor, evil speaking. Those are all referenced in this passage. But here's what I want you to see. Is that how you interact with others shows them your walk with God. And sometimes, for whatever reason, as Christians, we've almost taken this isolationist mentality to where it's like, well, yeah, I'm a Christian, so I'm just not going to partake or interact with the world. I'm just not even going to, I'm just going to stick to myself. And I guess that's better than maybe going out on a limb and being a jerk. So I guess I'll give you a win for that, okay? But the truth is, is that Jesus Christ interacted with the world through meekness and with kindness. You know, the only time that Jesus shows any sort of anger or any sort of wrath is the way that those within the church and within the religious crowd has actually treated his work and his temple. That's the only time that Jesus responds with anger. He never responds with anger to a lost person or to someone who doesn't understand. He never even responds to anger with his own disciples and some of the stupid questions that they ask. That one of his disciples cut off someone's ear. Okay? Can you imagine being in a staff meeting or something and someone chops off someone's ear? Like, what, how would you respond? Oh, it's okay, Johnny. Like, it's just an ear. All right? Like, how would you interact with that? But yet Jesus responds with kindness even to those who don't understand. And your kindness and the way that you interact one with another with both saved and with the lost is an evidence of the difference that Jesus Christ has made in you. And so if you think that this thing called this simple thing of kindness, this simple thing of lying or evil speaking or clamor, if you think that those simple things just well that they don't matter. According to Paul, who was inspired by the Holy Spirit, these are practices and these are principles and habits that are a distinction of what Jesus Christ has done through us. So first of all, the importance of your kindness, but then notice secondly, notice the forms of your kindness. Notice the forms of your kindness. How does this begin to take place? How does this begin to take shape? Look at verse number 25. He says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Speak truth with his neighbor. Meaning this, that if you... Do not have the backbone to speak truth to those around you. That you are showing your past life, your old man, more than you're showing the new man. You're showing more of what Christ came to save than you are what he has saved and how he has made a difference in your life. He says, put away lying. Verse number 26, he says, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, meaning this. Don't live an angry life. Don't let anger go from day to day to day. And he says, be angry? That's, that's part of life. But don't let it turn into sin. Don't let it slip past the point to where there's no return. I want you to think about this, okay? I believe verse number 26 is a literal verse, okay? I believe when he says, be angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. 
I believe that there is principle to that, meaning this. How many of you have ever fallen asleep frustrated about something, and the next morning it's the first thing you thought of? Anybody? Man, my hand's up, okay? Most of the time, what you go to bed with is also what you wake up with, isn't it? Sometimes even that's true about dreams, isn't it? Like there, There's been times where I've been telling someone a story, and they're looking at me like, is this true? And I'm like, wait a second. This is that weird thing where like my dream is my reality and my real like that's that and I'm like, never mind, that was a dream. Like that was not that did not actually happen. Like I actually told my wife something the other day and she's like, Are you serious? And I'm like, I think so. Like I don't actually know now that I'm now that you're like questioning me on it. Like I'm pretty sure that didn't actually happen now that I'm thinking about it, all right? But what you normally go to bed with is what you also wake up with. You let that go long enough, you go to bed with frustration, or according to this passage, wrath. You go to bed wrathful. I can promise you this, that it will only take a couple of mornings before you are a different person. Before you are living in that frustration and you are living with that wrath. Before, before you've crossed that line to where, yeah, you might have been angry. You might have been upset. That's part of life. But now it has crossed a line to where you have sinned because it has completely changed the way that you interact with people. Especially if you are seeing that person on a day-to-day -day basis. One of the best things that you can do as a child of God is this. Before you lay your head on your pillow at night. There will be frustrations throughout the day. There will be things that rub you the wrong way. And one of the best things that you can do before you close your eyes is simply say this. Lord, I don't know how to handle that. Lord, I'm frustrated. I'm mad. I'm ticked off about that. But the truth is, is that it is in your hands. There's nothing more that I can do about it. I give it to you. I can't be mad about it. And here's what that causes to happen what that causes is when you wake up the next morning rather than that same situation being your problem it's now god's problem that you can go back and revisit that prayer maybe once again the next morning so don't let the sun go down upon your wrath and then he says this neither give place to the devil he says don't let satan have a place in your life then he talks about stealing let him that stole steal no more i want you to notice even the context of this verse he says, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. What's the point of what you work for? What is it? Some of, you, some of us would say, well, it's so that I can pay my bills. It's so that I can get what I want. It's so that I can buy this. It's so that I can have that. The point of what you work for is so that you can help him who needeth. So that you can be able to give to those around you. Culturally, we've been taught that we work hard so that we can have what we want. Scripturally, we've been taught this, that we should work hard, number one, so that we can survive. Okay? Scripture talks about how the, if any man want bread, like, let him work. Let, it, let him earn it. But watch this. We also work so that we may give. When was the last time that what you worked hard to earn was less about you and more about someone else. We don't think that way. So he says this, these are the forms of your kindness. Then he says, let no corrupt communication come out of thy mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. He says, grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you are sealed into the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you. And then he closes in verse number 32, 
and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And I want to close with this as the example of your kindness. The example of your kindness. I closed last week with this thought that Christ very rarely calls us to something that he has not already exhibited. When Jesus calls us to serve, he has served. When Jesus calls us to give, he has given. And when Jesus calls us to show kindness, I want you to look at the context that it is given in. He says, and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Why? Even as Christ hath forgiven you. The context of your kindness is the kindness that you have been shown. I wonder if Christ's kindness and forgiveness to us were based on our kindness and our forgiveness to others, would we be worthy? You see, we love grace because grace lets us get that which we do not deserve, right? But what if grace wasn't a part of God's character like it's not a part of many human beings' character, right? There's a lot of human beings that aren't really the most gracious people in the world. And so what you get from them is normally either because you deserve it or because they're giving it in hopes that they can get something back. And if your kindness, if Christ's kindness and forgiveness toward you were based off of your kindness and forgiveness to others, would you be deserving? The beauty of that is that his kindness and forgiveness is not based on that. And watch this. That means that you can go on one of two sides of the coin in how you show kindness. You can either say, well, because of God's grace, then I get his, Christ's kindness and his forgiveness, and I get to do whatever I want. Okay, now watch this. Because of the grace of God, you receive Christ's forgiveness and his kindness no matter what. And you have a choice where you can either use that grace to take the kindness and forgiveness of Christ and never give it, or you can say, because of God's grace, I'm going to be overly kind. I'm going to, be, I'm going to forgive when it doesn't make sense. I'm going to do and show the forgiveness and kindness of Christ as it has been shown to me. And the truth is that for many of us, we go day to day, and we may never be unkind, but we are never intentionally kind. I want to close with just a brief illustration. Um, I read while I was in Texas, someone had posted an article. And it was the story of a um, young father who had cancer. Um, it actually has become a pretty popular article. It was not necessarily written uh, as a Christian or church article, but there have been many Christians who have kind of picked it up. The author is someone who writes for a public newspaper and publishing company, but he goes in and he tells the story. I believe the title of the article is, Do You Know My Son or Have You Met My Son? You can, I think you should be able to Google it. I'm not quite positive if that's the exact title. But he goes into really the background of his life and 
Uh, he is someone who's been diagnosed with a rare form of cancer that doesn't look as though it's going to be treatable. And he talks about how the, his own dad passed away of a disease when he was younger. And he says that he can remember how the, as he was going through the disease and as he was kind of starting early on in his treatments that all of his dad's friends are showing up and they have family friends around them and he, he has people that are supporting them. And he, but he says the treatments kind of lagged on, that the friends kind of started to become less involved and they became busy and they weren't uh, maybe there to help with treatments. They stopped bringing the meals and eventually his dad passed away and everybody showed back up for the funeral and said their kind words and stuff. But he said it wasn't too long before, just a couple of weeks after that, that his dad's friend stopped showing up, that it was just him and his mom, that it was just them kind of facing everything by themselves. He said that none of his dad's friends that his dad golfed with ever showed up and invited him to go play golf. None of his dad's friends that he went fishing with ever showed up and offered to take him fishing. And he said, more than anything, what I needed in that moment was someone to show up and be my dad. He says, fast forward now, and I don't know how old, I can't recall how old his son was. But he says, my fear is this. My fear is that when I pass away, like it looks like it's going to, going to happen, who's going to be the one that shows the kindness that I would have shown to my son? Who's going to be the one that steps up to do that? And you want to know the sad state of many Christians in America? Is that we have commands like verse number 32, and we never use it to go and show kindness to someone else. We never use the service that Christ has shown us as an opportunity to serve one another. The writer goes on to talk about how that he believes the difference maker in his son's life and his personal life is this. That a couple years ago, he, when he moved to the area, he got involved in a church, he got involved in a small group, and he said this, he said, the people who are in my church and in my life right now that are Christians are closer to me than some of my own family. And he talked about how that he believes this, that one of these days, if he passes away, that it will be the Christians who rise to the occasion and not his own family. And I want you to listen to this. As children of God, the people in this room are your family. And would it never be said about any of us that we use the kindness that Christ has shown us and we never step outside of our box to show that kindness to someone else? Once again, I don't think I'm looking in the faces of people who just look forward to chewing someone out this week. What I do believe I'm looking in the faces of is people who are tired, right? Busy, right? Stretched maybe a little bit financially, right? And we use all of those as excuses for why we can't be kind and never understand that Christ had every reason to not show us the kindness and forgiveness that we've received. And so who this week, this month, today, can you show the kindness 
that you have received. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let's pray. We'll ask the Lord to bless us. Thanks for listening. If this lesson is helpful to you, feel free to share it with someone else or let us know by emailing us at crosspoint at franklinroad.org. You can also check us out at frbc underscore crosspoint on Instagram and Twitter. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.